Welcome back to Lindsay Live. Happy to have you with us. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you'll know that at some point, nearly every conversation eventually comes back to building relationships. Creating connections with our learners and coworkers may just be the most important thing we can do as educators. You could even make a strong argument that it's the most important thing we do as human beings. Baseball legend Jackie Robinson once said, A life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the importance of making an impact on our learners' lives through building relationships and how we pass that skill along to them through the relationship sphere of living, part of the lifelong learning standards that are integrated into the Lindsay Unified Curriculum. According to our strategic design, a caring, compassionate person is someone who uses interpersonal communication and demonstrates team building, problem solving, and social skills. They manage and resolve conflicts while cultivating an awareness and appreciation for the feelings, opinions, and concerns of others. Someone who is proficient in the relationship sphere of living embraces diversity among people, cultures, and events but also of ideas and issues. They adapt to changing times and changing relationships. Relationships are perhaps our most precious and efficacious assets, but in our hyper-connected culture, they're also easy to take for granted. With new relationships a click or a swipe away, we often forget that maintaining and growing our existing relationships is every bit as important as establishing new ones. We overlook the idea that meaningful relationships require work and sacrifice and often choose to run to new relationships rather than put in the difficult work of building or repairing existing ones. In Lindsay, we believe it is important for our learners and our leaders to be able to do both. We teach them how to introduce themselves, how to greet adults and peers alike, and even how to shake hands. But we also teach them how to have difficult conversations how to learn from those who they disagree with, and how to develop an appreciation for diversity and collaboration with those who have completely different skill sets, ideas, and goals. Today we'll speak with three Lindsay leaders who have dedicated their careers to developing caring, compassionate learners. Barry Summer recently retired from Lindsay as Director of Advancement and is still involved with the district through Lindsay Leads, a program he founded to create ambassadors for the Lindsay vision and to share that vision with the world outside of Lindsay. Francisca Pena serves as the counselor at John J. Cairns High School, where she is responsible for creating connections and building trust and confidence with alternative education learners, many of whom have already begun to lose faith in the education system and the adults in their lives. Brenda Gonzalez is a fifth grade learning facilitator at Roosevelt Learning Community. Brenda has seen firsthand how creating meaningful connections with learners has translated into academic success, and she'll share some of the keys to her success from the LF perspective. We've got that exciting conversation coming up for you in just a moment, right here on Lindsay Live. You're listening to Lindsay Live. I've got Francisca Pena, Barry Summer, and Brenda Gonzalez on the line talking about building and maintaining meaningful relationships. Barry, over the years, you've played a role in developing learners into ambassadors for the Lindsay Vision. To do this, one of the skills you've emphasized was making a first impression, and more specifically, greeting people. You taught learners how to make eye contact, how to introduce themselves, and even how to shake hands. Why put so much thought and effort into a greeting? Great question, Ian. 
Greetings are one of the most basic functions of communication and trigger positive conversations. They help us connect to people on a personal level. And a, a hello can make friends of two strangers. It can bring a smile to someone. And I understand from my experience of not shaking hands for this last year because of COVID safety, how potent handshaking can be in building relationships. When you greet someone, you acknowledge their presence. It's an opportunity to demonstrate respect for them and to create that favorable impression you were talking about. That good first impression is a strong foundation for building relationships. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression and first impressions matter. There's a bunch of research that suggests that people choose political candidates in the first 10 seconds of seeing them. They even make judgments about physicians getting sued by the niceness factor of watching early interactions between patients and their doctors, independent of the doctor's competence. The word relationship starts with the prefix re, R-E, which means again, centers on the Greek word lation, which means connection, and ends in the suffix ship, the state of being, relationship, the state of being in connection again. By definition, that refers to separating and reconnecting, separating and reconnecting, a theme in our lives. So let's remember to separate and reconnect, greet each other in the most meaningful ways possible. And what kind of impact can a first impression have for a young person or a recent graduate who is trying to go out into the world and make a career for themselves? There's very good evidence, puts a lot of pressure on those folks, but those first impressions and that early greeting communicates confidence and communicates trustworthiness. And if we can communicate both of those things, we have a really good shot at building relationships, landing jobs. First impressions are essential in establishing and reaching our goals. Brenda, as a learning facilitator, why is it important that your learners develop a positive relationship, not only with you, but with each other? The very first thing that we develop when we start a school year is our relationship with our learners. There is no room for anyone to be vulnerable, to come to you for help if they don't have a positive relationship because that positive relationship builds trust. And once you have that trust with your learners, that is what really, really gets them to flourish. If they don't feel connected to their learning facilitator, if they don't feel like they are a part of this learning environment or they're being understood or met where they're coming from, it's gonna be very difficult for them to perform academically for you. So it is important from the very beginning to start off with a positive relationship with your learner and to grow that relationship throughout the year, not just in the beginning of the year. And what about the learner's relationships with one another? Well, we develop our relationships, like I said, throughout the year. We do follow the lifelong learning spheres and especially with our relationship building in the beginning, our class meetings. I think that that is very important where they have that freedom to discuss things that they are interested in. They have the time to discuss plans of what they're going to, what they're going to do with their family over the weekend or what Netflix show they're watching. They really feel 
heard and validated and like someone in here cares about their life and their interests. So we do a lot of conversation and discussion during our class meetings, allowing them to share their opinions and things that come from them personally. And that's growing that relationship and that trust and that openness in our learning environment. When learners build those positive, meaningful relationships with each other, do you see that translate into academic success? I think that those positive relationships definitely, definitely, they translate into the academic and curriculum because if they don't feel like they're a part of this learning environment or they have someone that they trust and they connect with, um, when they're struggling academically, they tend to sit there and kind of hide away versus that they're becoming vocal and they're comfortable with sharing with their peers. So they might, you know, ask their peer, hey, did you understand what Miss G just mentioned? Or they can directly, if they have a positive and good open relationship with me, they will communicate with me. Hey, Miss Gonzalez, I didn't get it. Do you mind going over that with me again? Or can you give me a little bit of clarification on this? And we have a lot of conversations around that respectfully advocating for themselves, but they have to have that relationship. They have to have that trust to be able to be open and advocate for themselves. So very important to have those positive relationships and that communication in place. How do you model those relationship building skills in your learning environment? One of the things that I've always uh, share with my learners uh, every single day is that if they have a question of me, I'm very honest with them. I always give them a why down to when we're creating our SOPs on why do I want you in a straight line? I let them know. I give them, you know, okay, let's, let's brainstorm. Let's talk about it. So everything that we do, everything that we develop has a why it's, there's not just empty things that are going on in here. There's a reason for everything that we do. And I think that when I give them that respect of letting them know why we're doing what we're doing, not because Ms. Gonzalez said so, but when I'm open that way with them, that with that communication, and I give them a why, they feel respected and they feel like, okay, you know, she's open with us, she's honest with us, and she always gives us a why. If I'm ever confused, I can ask her and she will give me that why on what we're doing, whatever it is we're doing, whatever it is that we're developing. Two things are heard from both Barry and Brenda, confidence and trust. Francisca, at John G. Cairns, you practice a strategy called restorative justice that is aimed at building just that, confidence and trust. Can you tell us about this strategy and why it's useful? So in alternative education, we build off of the framework of restorative practices. And within those practices are other strategies, such as restorative circles. And just like Barry mentioned, here, especially in such a small learning environment, it's very, very important build those connections and some way somehow there was a disconnection with learners and their previous learning environment so we have learners that transfer and they need to build on that again and with that starts developing trust so within circles which is a strategy in the framework is we gather around and they are able to talk to their peers we talk to their lf which is the facilitator of that circle to build that trust so they can have conversations, whether about a conflict going on in class, something that's bothering them, so they can move on forward with their day and their learning. The other really amazing thing is within that, we do conflict resolution. So if we have a circle and learners are not getting along or whatnot, they don't trust each other or things of that nature, we talk about it. 
and they hash that out during circle time or they're not getting along or anything like that. We also like to take that proactive approach instead of reactive that they're talking, they're bringing it up to the surface, whether it's a circle with me, whether it's a circle with their LF, whether it's a circle with an administrator, using that practice to address that conflict before there's a fight or anything like that. And again, that all then reverts to making those connections and moving forward so that kids have the best engagement when they're on campus. And they take that on with them to the real world, like we're talking about the workforce. Tell me about a time when you faced a problem that was too large for a single person to handle. And how important was it for you to be able to reach out to people with whom you developed relationships and in whom you had established that confidence and trust? Well, I was focusing on a problem that was too large for me to handle. And that was in the mid 2000s when we recognized that Lindsay Unified wasn't meeting the needs of its learners and we were failing to uh, prepare learners for their preferred futures. And we were together as a group of leaders. We happened to be in Denver, Colorado. And we recognized that we needed to change the system. I was facilitating the discussion as the facilitator um, not an employee at that point. And it became very, very apparent that when we, when we began to think about transforming an entire public school system that served over 4,000 learners, that we needed to cooperate, collaborate, and communicate in deep, meaningful relationships with all of our stakeholders. And that took a significant group effort that's still very much at play today. One of the projects that you're using to fulfill that vision is Lindsay Leads, where you train learners, whether they're K-12 or adult learners, to build relationships outside of Lindsay. Why is it important for a school district to build relationships outside of the community that they specifically serve? I think it's part of our moral imperative at Lindsay to scale our model of the performance-based system and the ideal learning experience to other interested parties so that they can advance their own models and adapt and adopt the parts of our model that are a good fit for them. When we recognized that we were hosting about 300 visitors a year and having frequent requests for us to participate in conferences, presenters, with our uncompromising focus on learners at the center, we recognize that training learners to do that work of being consultants and coaches, trainers and uh, cheerleaders, ambassadors to the model, served them really well. And as we developed Lindsay Leads, which incorporates, as you suggest, learners at all different levels, learning facilitators, support staff, principals, district administrators, parents, and even board members, that we see the incredible value of Java-like consultation, learner-to-learner -learner communication, and those relationships have really advanced people's efforts to transform their systems as well. In Lindsay, we're intentional about bringing many different types of our stakeholders together, parents, learning facilitators, learners, staff, 
English speakers, Spanish speakers, people from here in Lindsay or across the country. What is the importance of connecting with a diverse group of people as opposed to just focusing on friendships with people who are similar to you? Well, people like people who are like them and people choose people who are like them or how they'd like to be. And it's okay to capitalize on those similarities. Then it's best to recognize that we learn best from new perspectives and those perspectives frequently come from people who are least like us. Um, they're different. And so we want to encourage people to build and our learners to build their listening skills because we learn best when we're listening, not when we're talking. And shared experiences are so important in building relationships and learning. And we have those opportunities when we connect with people who are different and have lived different experiences than we do. It expands our horizons. It helps us with problem solving. It helps us tolerate tension and conflict. And it excites us and inspires us about how other people live, work, and think. I, I'm smiling because I'm like, you know, totally. The easy thing is to, you know, gravitate to someone that's watching the same show you are or that likes the same hobby or loves skateboarding because automatically you click and you're able to have conversations or bond over that, that commonality. I always tell my learners, it's okay for things to be challenging because that means you're really growing. You're really stretching yourself if it's challenging. When it's too easy, you're not really challenging yourself. You're not growing. So diversity is so important to growth because it really brings about people from different walks of life. And it allows you to see that, hey, not everyone's path has been my path. And you get to learn different cultures, different beliefs that people have. And I think that the more differences that you have, the more tolerant you become, the more respectful, because you learn, hey, I, I love who I am and where I come from, but that's pretty awesome. But you know, it's, it's, maybe it's not for me, or maybe it is for me and I wanna try it out. But it shows you tolerance and respect. And, and that's definitely one of those conversations that we've actually had in this learning environment this year. And we had a whole unit on, on, on tolerance and we just talked about different activists and diversity is a great thing. And a lot of my learners, we actually wrote the word diversity and had a map and they talked about how it would be boring if we were all the same. So I totally agree with them. And I think that when something is challenging, sometimes you learn the most from a person that's completely different from you. And it might be a little challenging to get that relationship going, but I think at the end, you end up really having a lot of respect for that diversity, for that person that might've been a little more challenging to connect with. And Ian, the piece I wanted to add to that was as far as our approach as a district, I think of behavior when I think of the value and diversity of relationships, if there's a conflict. And what we do is we bring all of those stakeholders to the table meaning if a learner is acting out or whatnot, we bring the team together, which would be the counselor, the administrator, the parent, another support staff, and the learner, and have them share their opinion, their perspective, and then address the conflict together instead of how back in traditional time, 
behaviors weren't addressed like that, conflicts weren't addressed like that. It was more so punitive. Hey, you got in a fight, you got suspended. And we have seen that does, that does not work. Uh, we are a very progressive district in all aspects. And I bring up behavior because we address that positively and that then builds the learner and shares that we are there to support them and help them be better. And again, then take those skill sets to the workforce because usually more of our learners are gonna stay in this community and become workers, become employers, become leaders. Also infusing those techniques to build the best learner that we can, we do so as a district. What can diversity add when we're talking about collaborative teams? It's been my experience, and I think it's Lindsay Unified's experience, that when we build teams, we get diverse input. When we get diverse input, it's often the second right answer, not the first right answer that helps us reach our goals and accomplishes our collective good. So diverse teams are often more inclusive, considerate, they provide more balance, and they support creative problem solving. So building collaborative teams gets more voices to the table, more voices to the table brings better solutions and helps us move toward those solutions with more support, with more motivation and with more empowerment. Building a collaborative team, any collaboration, I don't think it's an effective or efficient or true collaboration if the people that are involved in that collaborative team don't trust each other because you need the trust to be vulnerable and to open up like, hey, this is kind of my downfall. I struggle with this. What you know, strategies do you have? So even as adults, same thing as with my learners, if you don't feel that trust, that respect within the, the team, you can't, you, you can't collaborate the way that it's meant to be. And the only way that you're gonna grow is if you're able to really genuinely collaborate with all honesty, being able to be vulnerable and put yourself on the table and say, hey, I don't understand how to multiply multi-digit numbers. Um, can you guys go over some of the strategies with me? And just like that, um, that's where those strong, positive relationships, being respectful of each other, communicating, all that gets developed throughout the year. And as a learning facilitator, it is my responsibility to really foster those opportunities for my learners to have discussion. And when they're having those discussions, it's my responsibility to monitor that everyone's being respectful and that they're, and I'm teaching them how to validate each other. And just, you know, also reminding them to move their body, their eyes to the person that's speaking and really listening to them and not interrupt, interrupting their peers. What does it mean to be a caring and compassionate person towards someone we do disagree with, especially in a world as polarized as the one we live in today? I think it just means respect and understanding. I, I think so, so often we just, if we close ourselves off, we're closing our, so, ourselves off to a whole world. And it, the more open we are and just respectful, I've, I've told my learners many times, I don't get to choose who I work with. Everybody got hired at different points and whatnot, but I respect every single one of my colleagues. And I always tell them that when they have to work together as well. I'm not telling you that you have to go play together on your, during your free time at recess, but you do have to respect each other, hear each other out and you know, not be rude to each other. And, and that's something that we're teaching our learners 
just how to respect, respect differences. That's part of being tolerant and being kind. And we remind them every day, be kind, be kind. And, you know, when we're having those conversations where maybe they're having an off day and they weren't very kind, hey, was that something that was kind to say? Was that something that was kind to do? No. Okay, so what can you do to better that? Because we are living in very difficult times and they are seeing it and, and they're watching sometimes adults not behaving as they should. And, and that gets confusing for, for our learners. And so it's important for us as learning facilitators to have those conversations and, and to not give up on them ever, even in this relationship sphere. We don't give up on them academically. We shouldn't give up on them as our, as our future citizens and, and remind them every day, do kind deeds. What, what did you do today that was kind? It could be the slightest, smallest thing. Did you smile at someone? It's a little difficult with the mask right now, but before that was something that we would say, like, did you smile? Did you say good morning? It's, it's just respect, that, that basic respect that you don't want to do onto others, what you don't want done to yourself. Personally, for myself, on a personal standpoint and in my working environment, you learn how to compartmentalize better, not just in your team, but as an individual, like you said, Ian, whether it's your friends and you guys don't see eye to eye or whatnot, or in the workforce, you learn grace, you learn how to have a growth mindset, which we practice very much so in this district, and you gain perspective. And as a human, that's a very healthy thing that you can always learn from your neighbor and have that growth mindset of, hey, I didn't know this, I'm learning something and always being a learner. Like I said, whether that's in the working environment or that's in your personal environment. Well said. For me, being caring and compassionate in a polarized environment means listening deeply and coming into the conversation with an open mind and a willingness to be influenced. If we're not really willing to be influenced, we've made up our mind, we're not meeting the criteria from my perspective of caring and compassionate and open communicator. So. I want to come in. I want to hear your positions. I want to understand them. And I want to take the opportunity to be influenced by them. I also want to be able to share mine assertively and directly and to be heard and understood as well. In the social media generation, we have the privilege of being able to be highly selective of our friends and our circle of influence. Relationships have become more expendable and easily replaceable. The old saying says, choose your friends wisely, but that can be double-edged when we begin to enforce strict criteria for friendships and even abandon relationships that become disagreeable. How do you manage conflict? And is it worth working to continue relationships with people who have radically different opinions or maybe even morals? I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it because it strengthens our tolerance of tension and challenges us to be clearer about our own values. If I'm talking to someone who's in a really different position, sits in a different position than I do, then I have to be clearer about the foundations of my position or my values. And I want to communicate them in a way that's clear because clear is kind. I agree that social media makes that much more challenging and that we tend to gravitate toward people who have similar or like views. But I also think there's tremendous value in growing that tension for conflict and, and bringing people together, recognizing our common values and our humanity. 
I agree with Barry. You learn how to increase your tolerance and how to agree to disagree, whether it's a personal relationship or with friends or at, at work or whatnot, because everyone is different. Um, one thing I learned when I was young is my father would say is every brain is an earth. So being open to others and different morals and different beliefs they have, it's accepting and it's going to make you a better human. It's okay to agree to disagree, but you're still accepting of what's out there because we're all human. And like Barry said, it's clear as kind. Yes. If you have built a relationship with them, I think it's worth having a conversation. And I think that when you surpass these rough patches or whatnot in a relationship with someone, it does strengthen the relationship. Of course, in those conversations, that's where we do a lot of, you know, restorative justice. I think that's where the, that comes in. Uh, we have to have conversations. Obviously, if it was something that hurt you, there's got to be a change in, in that other person's actions. Uh, there's got to be a change in that, but that's, that all comes with the conversation. They don't change then. Yeah, obviously the relationship does get, does break sometimes, but it's, it's all, it's all in one where in all these relationships, if you are growing and you want to be a better person and you want to be kind and respectful and you want to work on communication, because if we're just going to make everyone disposable, we're going to live in a very lonely, lonely world. That's the reality of it. If, if we look at it as just a click of delete, we're going to find ourselves in a very lonely world with empty shelves of people that are on a screen, that are nobody, that we have no true connection to. And I could tell you a little something about my learners. You know, we just came off distance learning. I've had them in person for two months. And the very first thing they said uh, the first week we were together, they're like, Miss G, we want to share something with you don't take this the wrong way, but you were so much better in person and so much funnier and nicer. And, and I just started laughing because, you know, I had to have that conversation with them that on Zoom, you know, we've been together all year on Zoom, but the first day in person, it was a little awkward for us. And I had to stop and just take a moment and acknowledge the awkwardness and tell them, it's a little weird, huh? You know my name. I know your name but it kind of still feels like we don't know each other. And it has been very different to have them in person from distance learning. And I think that in itself just proves that, you know, we're not meant, uh, technology's great. Um, social media, you know, has done some great things to keep people uh, in touch. But that as humans, we're not meant to be just online. If you lose that, that ability to communicate, and to continue to work with people, then we're all gonna be very, very lonely people. What do you do when learners struggle to overcome those differences? I think it takes, first of all, time because both parties need to make sure that they're both in a state of mind and in a place to have a conversation. If you're not in that place to have the conversation, if you're upset, one or the other is upset, then we're not thinking rationally and we're not able to fix something. We're not able to come to a consensus on, okay, this is what I need from you. Okay, this is what you need from me. And being able to really meet in the middle and, and work forward from that. So first of all, I think it's, it's time where both parties, those people kind of take that cool off period, figure out okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to have this conversation, have the conversation, and then 
really make sure that you're listening to each other because we forget to do that sometimes. So listening to each other so that you can meet in the middle and move forward. And I, I think the willingness to understand each other strengthens those, those relationships. I might not understand you completely, but I'm willing to sit here with you and have a conversation. And I have a willingness to understand your path and to understand where you come from even if I don't ever get it 100%, but there's a willingness. And, and I think people, like I said, you feel the vibe, especially when you're in person, you feel the vibe of, of this person's being genuine with me and they, they really are respectful of who I am and they validate my journey here and they're willing to listen and understand. One thing we do as a learning environment, like I said, when we have circle time, we use that to address academics, to address behavior, to address conflict, but we also use that as time to tell our story. Our learners come with a story, as adults, we come with a story, so that addresses your question, Ian, as if you have, for example, you have a classroom of, of 10, and two learners are going at it, or they don't get along, or they told each other their truths, their own truth, which they have the right to do so. But you can have a circle and facilitate that conversation in a much healthier setting as far as you get each of them the time to speak and they give each other respect, but establishing that respect and that trust and then moving forward in that, in that conversation and allowing them to tell their story. When you're allowed to, to tell your story, you feel heard, you feel seen, you feel validated, and that doesn't just go for learners, that goes for adults as well. That's a form of how we facilitate here as far as to build the best trust and the best learning environment where learners can get along, like you said, even if they're completely different. And what happens next? How do we go from getting along with one another to building deep, meaningful connections? For me, one of the key components of bridging that gap is being courageous enough to share your story and to share yourself and to have the patience and endurance to witness other people's stories and to do deep listening. When we build our listening skills, we have a foundation for building deeper relationships. And I also want to remind everybody, as I, I remember myself, that we build experiences with people by doing things. And when we do things with people, even if they're different than us, we have shared some meaningful experience that becomes part of our collective memory and can be the foundation of a more meaningful relationship. I think about the most meaningful relationships I have, my loved ones and my family, my dear friends, my neighbors, fellow community members, the people I work with. And it's the shared experiences that we had where we had a common vision and worked toward that vision in an aligned and coherent way that left us building deeper and deeper relationships that then created more opportunities for shared experiences and then built deeper, more meaningful relationships. Personally, as a counselor is like Barry said, is being open to listen to other stories and, and hear them. For example, when I talk to learners one-on-one -on -one or as a group, I don't tend to tell my story. I am not as courageous as Barry shares, but the moment that I am, you see learners have an aha moment and you identify like, oh my gosh, Ms. Pena, I didn't know this about you, I didn't know that. We just shared an experience. And that doesn't just happen with learners and myself, that happens with the learners and their LFs. 
And that's how you start building trust. And that's how you start to build deep relationships when you identify as humans. Like I said, it doesn't matter the age, but you share a similar story and you're willing to hear someone else and you're open to that, that creates depth and that creates the strongest foundation that you can have. Hearing Francisca reminds me that when we're courageous and we share our stories, we do connect at a different level. I also think that a component in building meaningful relationships is giving ourselves and giving others grace. And that's been particularly important in this last year. We are all human beings, not human doings. We mess things up. We make mistakes and we experience failure, which is simply a delay in reaching our goals. But when we provide ourselves the opportunity to be graceful and we give grace to others, we recognize our humanness and it allows us to connect at a deeper level. What I'm hearing from all of you is understanding and getting to know one another deeply. As a storyteller, I know my goal is to get people to care about the people in my stories. And the way that happens is by allowing the audience to get to know them. Being a caring and compassionate person is about knowing and caring for others to the point that we're rooting for them to succeed the same way we do for our favorite movie characters. So how do we do that? How do we really get to know someone? As you were speaking, Ian, the first thing that came to my mind is seeking to understand, to provide grace and be open and be an active listener of how you can get along with others in the work environment and a personal environment to build that relationship and understand, like you said, whether it's a character in the movie or a different setting is, is seeking to understand. I, I think it's our foundational nature as human beings, as social beings, as social animals, to want to connect with each other, to do that in a compassionate and caring way. I think what interferes is when we polarize ourselves with positions, when we feel threatened, when we have conflict, when we feel like someone's going to block our ability to act in ways that are consistent with our core values. And when we feel threatened, we immediately move toward a position that's contrary to this compassionate and caring person. And we need to develop the ability to regulate our feelings and manage our emotions in ways that we can relax, listen, experience each other wholly and without judgment and be aware of our biases so that we can come back to the very nature of who we are as compassionate, caring people. I would say, because we're always so busy and we always have a hundred things going on as learning facilitators, just pause, pause and listen, prompt those questions, not just don't say good morning and how are you doing because it's what we're supposed to do out of etiquette. Really remember, try to remember things about your learners where you can say, hey, Max, how was your weekend? You said you had that, that quinceanera you went to. What did they have to eat? Oh my goodness. Because my kids and I, sometimes we, we connect on, on that food level, you know, and, and they start telling you and their eyes light up when you know what it was that they had to eat or whatnot. You know, just little things. How's your dog doing? I remember you said that he was sick and you took him to the vet. Is he doing better? So you really have to listen and really, really care and, and show that to your learners because it will make 
it will make a difference in your learning environment and the way that they perform for you. That's what we're all about here in Lindsay, developing a world of young people who go out and create connections and care for one another deeply. Barry Summer, Brenda Gonzalez, and Francisca Pena, thank you all for spending your afternoon with me. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thanks both of you, and thank you, Ian, for, for having myself. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and so nice to hear your story in a different way as well. Thank you. And thanks to you, the listener. Don't forget to subscribe. We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Hope you'll join us again soon on Lindsay Live.